0: a COVID 19 vaccine is coming but there remains big demand for masks one south florida medical supply maker has invested millions to make masks expand into personal protective equipment and compete in the global mask market
1: we put it all into ppe all of it we bet the house as you say
0: i'm tom hudson today on the sunshine economy making masks in miami Also, we'll check in with a baker, banker, and former bartender in the pandemic economy.
2: My passion is supporting women entrepreneurs. I have heard customers feeling more optimistic about 2021
3: because of the vaccine. That's the big focus of 2021 is becoming a bodybuilder.
0: (laughs) It's all ahead on The Sunshine Economy. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and for supporting public media. Within three days in March, two of the biggest voices in healthcare recommended U.S. hospitals stop performing any surgeries that were not absolutely necessary. It set off a chain reaction with almost three dozen states restricting or banning those procedures. That included Florida. It was March. The pandemic was just beginning to take hold, and the ban on surgeries was an effort to keep hospital beds open in case of a surge of COVID-19 patients. Stopping surgeries meant the demand for surgical needles, mesh, and sutures collapsed. It was the core business of Demotech. The company had been growing almost uninterrupted for 20 years. It expanded internationally into over 100 countries from its base in Miami Lakes. And then, like countless companies, it pivoted, thanks to the pandemic. Surgeries may have been on hold, but the need for personal protective equipment skyrocketed, especially for N95 face masks, the gold standard of face masks. Hospitals, nursing homes, fire, police departments, EMTs, restaurant servers, hotel housekeepers, everyone was in the market for N95 masks suddenly. So Demotech expanded, borrowing and investing millions of dollars to make masks. It would take months. The company began the process of designing and making masks in March. In July, the FDA certified its surgical mask, and in October, Demotech's N95 mask was certified by the Centers for Disease Control's Workplace Safety Department. The company had created a new business line in Miami-Dade County and along with it had kept its 300 workers employed and added hundreds more jobs. Louis Arguello, Jr. is the second generation involved in the company. His father is the CEO. Louis is vice president and the public voice of the company. To hear how the company has pivoted and grown during the pandemic, we spoke over FaceTime audio. Louis, welcome to the Sunshine Economy. What was the moment that you decided to get into the personal protective equipment business?
1: It was one moment with two factors uh, leading up at the same time. So our company has always been a medical device manufacturer here in the U.S., right? And we've always produced things here and exported them around the world. You know, Currently, we're in 130 countries globally. We're kind of the opposite of most companies that make things overseas and sell them in the U.S. market. We've always been a big proponent of knowing that the only way really to make this country great is to make things here. And, and because our family comes from immigrants who lived, you know, made the American dream of making a company. That's always been a big factor for us. So when COVID really hit, two things happened more or less at the same time. The first is we got a lot of calls from our international hospitals saying, hey, can you help me find some masks in the U.S.? And we tried to help them find them free of charge, just as a service because they're our clients. And every single warehouse that we sent our team to was empty. It was all fraud. So we realized there was a problem and a lack of PPE at that time. At the same time, there was a shortage and a a decrease in the purchases of our medical devices because people weren't allowed to go to hospitals around the world. They weren't getting operated. And traditionally, medicine has been a recession-proof industry. So this was a first for us. Uh, where people couldn't, you know, voluntarily or, or mandated, they couldn't go to hospitals, they couldn't have elective surgeries. And so we were faced with the tough decision of what do we do with our hundreds of factory workers who are family to us because we are a family-owned company and, and, and our workers and our factory workers are part of our family. So at that time, we had a, a basically a total stop in operations and our distributors weren't purchased. So we said, what do we do with our people, with our with our workers? So at that time, we realized we need to give our workers work we have a shortage of PPE. And we said as a family, you know what, let's take the risk and let's start to make some PPE here in the US. And we had our engineering team make two production lines, one for surgical masks and one for N95s. And we rolled the dice with no clients, no buyers and said, let's see what happens. We need to put our people to work. And that was back in March. And that was what really started it.
0: As you are facing, obviously, a a significant slowdown in your traditional business and looking at the marketplace. What were those conversations like as a as a family and as a business unit?
1: So in terms of the family was, for us, we know medical devices is, is a long-term business, right? It's it usually, as I said, it's recession proof. So we knew we didn't want to furlough our workers or let them go. So we knew we needed to keep them active. So in one aspect, it was a cost of keeping your workers engaged, right? We wanted to pay them, have them active. And on the other is, is if you having a stop of incoming of cash, You know, are you going to go out and spend tens of millions of dollars on developing machinery? Because we built our own machines uh, and in machine and in raw materials, which at that time there was a shortage. So it was a big risk and there was a lot of sleepless nights. Actually, you know, now, nine months later, there's still a lot of sleepless nights as we build, you know, a a crazy animal that normally would have taken us seven years. We've done it in seven months. Uh, There was a lot of stress, but our family has always been risk takers and you know, at the end of the day, you either adapt or die. And and that's what we did.
0: This represents a new product line, essentially, for Demotech. What has been the investment, the financial investment? We've invested
1: tens of millions of dollars. Uh, we basically pulled the loans from the banks. We used all of our family's capital. We pulled the capital from the company, that from our other devices. We put it all into PPE, all of it. and We bet
0: the house, as you say. Any reservations at that time that you can share with us?
1: Well, initially it was, it, was, it was scary, right? Because as we started, we started to do some sales under the Emergency Use Act, the EUA. Whereas as when you make a new de- – oh, we have all of our products have FDA approval. But there is a, a process in order to you, for you to get FDA approval. You first need to make the device, validate it. And after you're able to actually make a couple of them, then you go and you get your FDA approval. But in order to make the first one, you need to invest a lot of money. So there was a time period between March and July when we got the FDA approval for that particular device where we lost a lot of sales because we didn't have our, our FDA approval yet. So it was risky and it was a lot of stress of did we make the right investment. Um, but luckily, when that FDA approval came out in July, we started to increase our sales and it all paid off. And the same happened with the N95s. You know, We started production in March and we didn't get our approval from NIOSH until October.
0: That's the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health.
1: So it was a long period of time where we were making goods and not really being able to sell as much as we wanted because we were waiting on the regulatory approvals. Now, my personal opinion is is those regulatory approvals are really the only thing that distinguishes a good quality product versus the stuff that comes from China that doesn't work. So I am happy that they are as hard as they are because they actually keep the bad product out. But it was a long time. It was a lot of stress and a lot of sleepless nights.
0: Lewis, was the fate of the company at risk? In other words, the longevity of this company at risk, given the tens of millions of dollars, the bet the house, as you described it, uh, when it comes to the movement into this new market for PPE?
1: No, I would say no. The, the company was not was never at risk. So today in November, December, we're back to pre covid sales. So operations have resumed, hospital and medical devices are pretty much back to normal. Not 100%, but they're pretty close to back to normal. The only really thing that would have happened, the company would have survived for sure. The only thing is that we would have had to let a lot of employees go, our factory workers. And that is what we ultimately tried to avoid at all costs. And we did avoid, we didn't let go one person. So not only did we not let go one person, we moved our factory workers of medical devices to PPE. And as the normal medical devices came back up, we hired new people. So all of our workers kept their jobs, and we've onboarded over a 1,000 new employees for PPE. And that was our goal, keep our workers working. That was that was really all that we wanted to do.
0: So what's the employee count today like for Demotech compared to what it was, say, a year ago?
1: So about a year ago, we were like a little over 300 or so, and now we're at about 1,300. So we've onboarded about a 1,000 uh, for the PPE side.
0: And those thousand new employees are concentrated in the PPE manufacturing?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of office personnel as well, right? In HR and engineering and and that type of stuff in back office. But also, yeah, most I would say 90% has been production workers. But now they're good paying jobs because they're not basic laborers. We have technicians, we have engineers, automation engineers, mechanical engineers. So they're people that are making good salaries and ultimately... You know, my personal belief is that we want to make this country great again. We have to rebuild our middle class, right? We have to make things here again so people can make good salaries. And and, and and that's really what's kind of left this country. So we are doing this, one, to supply our country with what they don't have, which is PPE, but also to really kind of help the economy and make things here again. Our company is not currently doing the PPE production for profit. We're trying to solve a problem or two problems.
0: You're not making a profit margin on the masks that Demotech is manufacturing and selling?
1: We are, but not not a very small one, which is what is being made in terms of profit is all being reinvested to grow. So us as a family or an ownership haven't seen anything, actually. You're you're
0: not drawing those profits away from the company uh, in terms of your own personal dividend or, or income or those kinds of things, but the company is making money on this- manufacturing.
1: It's being reinvested, yes, but as you so as you scale when you when you produce small amounts, your costs are high. So as we scale more, the costs go down. So the prices, you know, go down as we make more. But the goal, our goal long term is to be able to have a large sustainable production of PPE in this country. That's what we're trying to build.
0: Why take this risk for what may be a temporary market? Uh, in terms of the spike in demand driven by the pandemic as vaccines and vaccinations look to be in the future for the world regarding COVID-19, the kind of demand you're experiencing now may taper off or may fall off a cliff even.
1: Well, two things. One, our company is in 130 countries. We have not exported one mask, right? So if and when demand decreases, surgical masks and N95s have always had a usage in a place, right? There's always a surgeon's mask. So because we're present in operating rooms around the world, we would basically just, instead of focusing only on the U.S. market, we would start to export our products. Now, that's on the one end. But the other end is, that I kind of believe that masks are probably going to be around forever uh, in our lifetimes. Not in the usage how they are now, where you can't do anything without a mask. But I do think that health healthcare workers and professionals will always be wearing N95s, probably from now on. I do believe that a large amount of our population when you travel or mass events or in a subway, I think masks are probably gonna start to be in part of our daily lives as they've been in Asia for the last six years. As globalization expands and there's more and more of these viruses more frequently, I, I think there's gonna be a place for this. And ultimately we need to have products in our stockpiles for when there is an outbreak, uh, we have to have product. And we've always had a stockpile of PPE where they just run out in the last couple of years. And those PPE last five years. So after five years, the filters don't work anymore. So you always need to replenish those stockpiles. So I, I believe that it is critical to have domestic supply of our critical issues like PPE. So I, you know, I feel fairly confident that our investment will be safe.
0: That's Luis Aguayo Jr. with Demotech. The company has been concentrated in medical surgical supplies like sutures and mesh, but it's expanded into masks because of the pandemic. Still to come, the global mask market and competing against cheaper masks.
1: The way out of this is to pay a little more in the short run to have the stuff made here.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. You can read about past programs by going to WLRN.org, click on the radio tab, and look for the Sunshine Economy. Almost overnight, global demand for face masks, gloves, and gowns eclipsed supplies. As the pandemic took hold across the world, governments, hospitals, and just about everyone was on the hunt for protective gear. Ten months later, a third of Florida hospitals have less than a week's supply of N95 masks, surgical gowns and gloves. That's according to the weekly White House Coronavirus Task Force report from the first week of December. Demotech, a company that is based in Miami Lakes, says it can make tens of millions of masks a month. The difficulty is finding buyers willing to pay the higher price for American-made CDC-certified masks. It is a global market for mask demand and supplies, especially supplies from China where manufacturing costs are much lower. But a Trump administration effort aims to support made-in-the-USA protective gear by encouraging the production and purchase of American-made personal protective equipment. Demotech is one of the companies seeing an opportunity. It's expanded from its traditional focus on surgical supplies like sutures and needles into masks. Luis Arguello, Jr. is vice president with Demotech. Describe the global mask market today. I would say there's two markets. You have the
1: high-quality American brands like 3M and Honeywell and and us, where we consider ourselves. And these are masks that are made in the U.S. The filters are made in the U.S. They have FDA or national approval, and they work.
0: That's the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. We have very rigorous quality
1: control systems that if we're constantly testing our products, so if something fails, you know, never leaves our factories. And as a consequence, these things have a higher price. Then you have the secondary market, which is product that is coming from Asia that is made under no regulations, no testing. And these products are cheaper. But when you read independent studies like ECRI, who's an organism here in the US, where they see that over 70% of the masks that come from, from China fail. So they're cheaper because they're made in a warehouse with no regulation and nobody really seeing if this product works. So ultimately, I think it's about, do you want a product that works? And is this a product that will save you from potentially obtaining, catching a virus that may do nothing to you, but it it may kill you, right? You never know your, your roll of the dice with this virus.
0: Are market buyers sophisticated enough to suss out those differences in product quality? and willing to pay the difference? So
1: unfortunately, the products look very similar, right? The only thing that that separates whether a product will work or not is the filter that's inside the mask. Um, and if you look at a filter, what's stopping the virus is the electromagnetic ch- charging that the filter has. So you, with plain sight, will not know whether one works or doesn't. And ultimately, it comes down to Does the product have a quality system that is assuring that the filter works or doesn't? Are the people willing to pay? You know what? In general, I think the American citizen is. Uh, The issue is is that they don't have a way to buy it. So if you go to the stores, to Walmart or Costco or Home Depot, they all have Chinese masks that don't work. So we actually opened up a small retail shop, uh, shop shop.demotech.us, where we basically opened just so that normal people can access medical US-made PPE, because otherwise you can't find it.
0: Yeah, you're going direct to consumer in this regard. What have you experienced uh, in that uh, in that small time frame that you've had this direct to the buyer uh, store open?
1: Well, we haven't advertised. We're just doing it basically for our local community. It's not our business model. Uh, I, we ideally try to run through distributors, but what we found is that a lot of distributors in this country are still doing Chinese product because they have better profit margins. So the federal government has been amazing about really pushing Buying U.S. product, they've been great. You know, there's a, there's a financial issue. We're waiting on the stimulus budget, but really, federally, both sides of the aisle wanted to be made in the U.S.
0: Yeah, this has been driven by an executive order that President Trump signed back in August, requiring federal agencies to buy American-made gear. Uh, what has that meant for your DemoTech market?
1: They've been my biggest client, the federal government. So they're the ones that are really paying for American products. Now, unfortunately, the states and the cities, they have not really followed the mandate. A lot of them are buying based on price, uh, which is something that we've really been lobbying to, to have the states and the cities and the private sector figure out a way how they can buy American product, which is, yes, it is more expensive in the short run if you compare apples to apples. But if you look in the long term economic repercussions of. Making that product here and employing people who then make money and spend that money in the local economy and pay taxes, my belief is that in the long run, the U.S. made is actually cheaper. So that's what really we're trying to push and the image that we're trying to get out there is, is the way out of this is to pay a little more in the short run to have the stuff made here.
0: The executive order describes what it calls, quote, cost effective and efficient production of personal protective equipment. Uh, when it is encouraging um, American-made and and purchased. How does DemiTech achieve that cost-effective and efficient production?
1: So our machines are all automated. Uh, 90% of our cost is raw material, and it's just because all of our raw materials are made in the U.S. So it's called Berry Compliance. So when you look at the major price difference between Asia and the U.S., and you question why is there such a price difference when the production is automated in both Asia and here, and you know it's raw material, then you question the quality of the raw materials that are in the product. So that's really what makes the big difference. Does your filter work? Does the non-wovens work? Are they made in the US? And that's really what's what's protecting you. So we've been able to make a good product uh, at a slightly higher price, but it's not that much of a
0: difference. So let me ask you about price then. Uh, And I know price can be different based upon volume of order, but What's the median price of an N95 mask coming off a Demotech manufacturing line?
1: price is all over the place, right? Are you talking to a distributor? Are you talking to a federal government? Are you talking to retail? You know, it's, it's difficult to answer that question uh, in, 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 a, in a blanket number. What I can tell you is that there's probably somewhere between a 20 to 30% price difference uh, between an overseas product versus a domestic one.
0: So a Demotech product would be 20 to 30% more expensive than a Chinese made N95 mask
1: on an N95. Yeah. That's kind of the price difference. 20 to 30% on a, on a surgical mask. Uh, It may be a little more just because you have people, you've seen these crazy videos of people making them like on a sweatshop on the floor with no shoes on there. It's a little different because you have a lot of people making things with no regulations and there, the price difference will be a little bigger, but then you're really just comparing, you know, two pieces of fabric that somebody made in a house versus, you know, a medical device in a factory. So there's bigger price differences there, but on the N95s where there's more regulation, it's about 20 to 30% difference.
0: Uh, Oh, the cost of goods. How has that changed? for Demotech as it has made the investments to scale up this manufacturing. So the cost of that N95 mask you were making in May, June, July, looking for the regulatory okay, how does that compare to the cost of the mask here at the end of the calendar year?
1: Uh, So cost has gone down for us as as we scale, because we're doing this to grow and, and serve a need, our selling price is a factor of our cost. Uh, Directly, so as we make more and as we scale, our cost goes down, and as a consequence, our our selling price goes down. So our price in March, uh, June versus our price now, we're probably twenty, about twenty to thirty percent lower today, uh, in terms of our selling price because we're able to have a lower cost. Now, with regards to cost of production, uh, the cost of production in today's world. Uh, is more expensive than pre-COVID. And I say this with regards to PPE, as with regards to other medical devices. And it's twofold. One, costs of raw material are up, which is simple supply and demand. But the second aspect is, is that many people are afraid to work in a factory setting, right? So you have people in close proximity, you have schools closing, the Zooms with children, grandparents not being able to help take care of their children. And ultimately, that has caused you as a factory to have to overpay to get the same labor, which on an aspect is great because people are making more money and it's helping the economy. But on the other is, is it makes things more
0: expensive to be manufactured in this country.
1: So cost today is definitely more expensive than it was last year right? as a factor of COVID.
0: Right. Uh, On the personnel side, uh, share with us what pay looks like at Demotech for the jobs created compared to what pay was pre-COVID.
1: I would tell you pre-COVID versus post-COVID is probably between a 50% to 100% pay increase
0: on laborers. Uh, doubling, uh, is that an hourly
1: rate? Um, yeah, well, I'm talking baseline hourly factory workers, yeah.
0: So that's that's gone up by a factor of half to a double.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. And I would say this is not unique just to COVID. I'm talking across the board when you have to hire people. In it. But yes, they're having to pay much more money to get people to work in a factory in close settings and in, in long hours, we're running 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you know you have to pay to get people in. Uh, and pre-COVID, you had workers in which you had extended family taking care of the kids and the schools. That's all been complicated now with COVID, where people are afraid to to you know interact with elderly who maybe were the primary caregiver or or would take care of people the kids when they were at school. So that's complicated the workforce in every industry.
0: Yeah. These jobs that Demotech has created because of this move into personal protective equipment, this new product line, uh, are these jobs that are hourly paid? Are they salary? Uh, Do benefits come along with it? Health benefits and vacation time, for instance?
1: Uh, We have everything. So we have have the 1,000 employee goes from New hires of uh, you know vice president of, uh, of inventory controls to you know new HR levels, which are very high level jobs, to factory workers that are hourly. So we have things across the board. Yes, many of our employees do have benefits and perks, and we have a four hundred one k and all of those things. So we have everything within that mix.
0: Lewis, you mentioned that many of the new production lines are automated. Help us understand these thousand new jobs then if the manufacturing is automated
1: well we're making a lot of masks currently we're making over 100 million masks a month Uh, so what you find on a let's say an an average production line which there are many of them but let's say one machine which is multiple machines actually combined uh, to produce a product you you will have one engineer that is watching the machine you'll have a technician who is maintaining and operating the machine and then you'll have quality control people that are doing 100% inspection of every product that comes off our lines. So that's really the laborers. Where where we spend money uh, is to make sure that every single product that comes off that line is to par. Uh, And that's really what what the difference is usually when you look at US versus Asia production is, is quality control, right? So you may have one good product and then several bads. In the US, you tend to see all good products. And that's where our laborers are, is in quality control of our production.
0: 100 million masks a month. Is that at 100% manufacturing capacity for you now?
1: So we're running 24 seven currently, uh, and we continue to expand every, every other day we're putting more production lines on the floor. So we're trying to expand as fast as we can.
0: Are those masks purchased before they're even made?
1: Before? Yes. Currently, uh, as the federal government, uh, is reweighting a stimulus budget uh, and the states are waiting for that stimulus budget. There has been a slowdown in purchasing uh, for lack of funding. So currently over the last, let's say two, three months that this stimulus budget has been negotiated, we do have inventories. We have excess capacity to supply the markets. Yes.
0: And what is demand like now compared to say the summer surge that we experienced, for instance, in Florida?
1: Uh, Demand's been pretty good. I mean, it's been pretty steady. The issue is is Right now, the whole U.S. is focused on fulfilling today's need, right, which is adequately supplying our doctors and nurses who are really, you know, they're the heroes of our country with the proper PPE. That's not happening. So I think the first step is to adequately protect our frontline healthcare workers, and that is to give an N95 to everyone in the healthcare sector. And then when that's able to be done, which we're nowhere near that, Then secondly, we need to go to make sure that all of our stockpiles, locally, statewide, federally, that we have a good and adequate stockpile so that the next time there's something that happens, we're ready. Because we weren't ready before and we're not ready today. So that's really what needs to happen.
0: Speaking with Luis Arguello Jr. with Demotech, the medical device and mask making company is based in Miami Lakes. Our conversation continues, still to come, when the company's core business went away for a few weeks it scares
1: you, right? I mean, it would be a lie to tell you that it didn't. It was a strange time because there's never really been a voluntary stop of doing things like medical procedures.
0: This is the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. Over the past 20 years, Demotech has grown into an international supplier of surgical supplies like sutures, mesh and needles from its base in Miami Lakes. It saw that market come to a virtual stop in the springtime when so many areas restricted surgeries in the effort to save hospital beds for COVID-19 patients. That's when it decided to get into the mask-making business. It now makes an FDA-approved surgical mask and a CDC-certified N95 mask, and its traditional business has bounced back. We spoke with Demotech Vice President Luis Arguello, Jr. How is the non-COVID business at the end of the calendar year, nine months into this pandemic for Demotech?
1: So the U.S. side of the of our business is doing well. Most of the hospitals have opened up uh, surgeries again. So that's back. I would even tell you it's probably higher than it was before because a lot of people were waiting to get operated. And now they're getting operated. Internationally, there is still a lot of uh, hospitals that have a lot of beds dedicated for COVID. So globally, there is a lot of people that are not being able to have access to their normal uh, procedures. But we are, we're back on track to where we were uh, last year, which is good.
0: How did that ban on elective surgeries affect business back in the spring?
1: So year I think totally it was about a 30% reduction in uh, device operation sales.
0: And what were you staring at at that moment during those weeks when there was a prohibition on elective surgeries?
1: I mean, initially, it, it scares you, right? I mean, it would be a lie to tell you that it didn't. Uh, but ultimately, I think that we felt fairly confident that uh, that the surgeries would, would restart again, right? People need to get operated. It was a strange time because, you know, other than, let's say, the Spanish flu, there's never really been a voluntary stop of, of doing things like medical procedures. You know, luckily, us as a family, and, you know, we've always uh seen business as having ups and downs, and when you go through downs and there 's always downs is being strong enough to survive them so we we were okay uh, we were calm and we we pivoted uh, you know luckily, our family has faced a lot of adversity, and we 've always known you either give up or fight, and we fought uh, and for us, it was kind of repositioning and going into a new product while we knew that our main core business would come back and it did it took four or five months for it to come back, and it did come back. Which was good.
0: During those moments uh, back in the springtime when that traditional business that Demotech had been focused on, you mentioned earlier about how it really had been seen as recession proof. Uh, you know, when you look back at the most recent recession during the housing collapse, for instance, healthcare was able to survive that. The small recession in 2001, healthcare was able to survive that. This one was so, so different. If you look back on the financials, year over year, would you even suspect something out of the ordinary in terms of that business?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we were growing at, at you know a very good pace year over year. And then this year, we were continuing on that growth until March. And then there was three, four months of just total stop. So if you take those months out of a financial calendar, yeah, we would have done well. But if you include them, which you have to, then yeah, this year definitely will be a decrease, but not as bad as, as we would have thought back in when COVID started.
0: What will that revenue decrease look like for the traditional products? I would
1: say probably about 30% total.
0: And has the company ever seen anything like that before?
1: No. No, usually we've grown. But we luckily have compensated with the additions of new product lines. Uh,
0: With that new product line with N95 and surgical masks, what does revenue this year look like?
1: Up, definitely. I mean, our sales are, are very high. In terms of uh, in terms of profit, I'm not sure because we're not right now. All we're doing is reinvesting everything that we possibly can and more, because as we're trying to build, you know, a, a huge facility or multiple facilities. And normally we would have taken seven or ten years to scale at the level that we're doing, and we're doing it in months. So right now everything is being reinvested, and ultimately I, that's how you need to run a company. If you want to grow it quickly, you reinvest it all, uh, and that, that's what we're doing.
0: That's Luis Arguello Jr. with medical device and mask-making company Demotech. Still to come, planning for a post-pandemic business climate.
1: I think that the demand is quite large. uh, And we actually have a couple other products that we are going to expand into, like gowns and gloves.
0: back on the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. The first batches of the first COVID-19 vaccine are showing up this week across the country. Tens of thousands of healthcare workers and nursing home residents in South Florida will be the first to get vaccinated here. Public health officials caution that even with the vaccine, the safety protocols remain staying out of crowds, washing hands, socially distancing, and wearing a mask. A Miami Lakes company has borrowed and invested millions of dollars in making surgical and N95 masks. Demotech's bet is that mask demand will remain high even after the pandemic passes. Luis Arguello Jr. is the vice president of Demotech. With a vaccine or vaccines coming, what's the post-pandemic outlook for Demotech?
1: I think that in terms of our PPE production, we are firm believers that healthcare sector will probably change the way it uses PPE forever. Uh, And we do think that there's a marketplace for the general public in mass events for the usage of PPE for traveling or sporting events. So we believe that the industry will be around for some time. As globalization increases, the spread of viruses will probably have an uptick. So it's just a matter of being prepared and having the products available and made in the U S for when those catastrophes happen. We have the production here instead of having other countries hoard the supplies.
0: What kind of forecast expectations are you operating under for mask demand as vaccines are more widely distributed? What are you tooling up for?
1: If you look at the this talks of the CDC and what's needed in the national stockpile, we're going to need billions of masks in a stockpile that needs constant replenishment. Uh, we need them all over the United States and ready to go at the time of any major issue. I think that the demand is, is quite large. Uh, and we actually have a couple other products that we are going to expand into like gowns and gloves. So I think that this has been an eye opener for our country in realizing that we are very susceptible to the supply chain. And it is of absolute national security that we have our essential products made in this country. Uh, otherwise, we are at the risk and mercy of other countries shutting off the valve when we most need it. So we plan on actually continuing our expansion, not only in in the production of masks and and N95s, but we're going to go into producing other, other devices. So I think that the country as a whole needs to realize we have to have our healthcare secured here. So this is, in my opinion, the beginning of the iceberg, where now we need to really nationalize and onshore all of our medicine. And most of it has left over the last couple of decades.
0: The expansion of Demotech into additional PPE products, gloves and gowns, will require a much different manufacturing process, I imagine, and much different raw material supply chain than what Demotech has been used to, even with the masks and with its more traditional operating room supplies. Yep. How are you preparing for that?
1: So right now, our focus is primarily on, on, on the mass, as discussed, but we have a couple business plans ready to go that a little confidential, but uh, I think that the eyes have been opened, as I mentioned. We need to have our medical devices and all of our healthcare made in this country for security purposes.
0: Well, compare the investment necessary for the glove and gown expansion to the investment that Demotech made for the pivot into masks?
1: So the investments are large, but luckily we live in the greatest country in the world where if you have a sound business plan, you have the financial resources and banks that will back it. You know, I think that industry in this country, if there is support amongst the government and the citizens in our country to really want for things to be made here, all industry, all all captains of industries, whether it be large companies or small, we'll move. We don't need grants. We don't need giveaways. Our our businesses are good. We have companies here that are aggressive. We'll stand up. We'll go to our banks. We'll get the loans that are needed, and we'll make things here.
0: So you're finding ample credit for these expansion plans?
1: Absolutely. Our banks are backing us
0: 100%. As you continue to look for new opportunities within the personal protective equipment market, Lewis, What's the return on those investments, the timeline for those investments that you think are going to be necessary?
1: We really haven't thought through those questions uh, the way that you would in a normal business model, where you study returns on investments and and you look at things and and you plan out a five or a 10-year ROI. Right now, this isn't about that. This is about, we've got two big problems. We don't have what we need here and our people have no jobs. We haven't really done it in a normal way. We know there's a problem and we just, we are acting currently. We know and we have true belief that it will all work out in the end. And that's how we're currently handling this because this is about patriotism. This is about safety of our people. This is about our getting our kids back to school. Uh, Ultimately, when when the ideals are right, uh, the business side will work out. And, And when you hear the rhetoric of both politicians, they all want things to be made here so we think it's all going to work out so right now that you know and and i know i'm sorry that i can't give you a clear answer we're just going to make it happen and we know that the numbers will work out in the end but that's how we're approaching these things
0: that's lewis arguello jr with medical device and mask making company demotech the company is based in miami lakes now still to come catching up with our baker banker and bartender who has ambitions of being a bodybuilder in the pandemic economy
2: you don't see successful CEOs you know women that have grown their companies you just don't see that at least in in my culture in me you know being an adult
4: I have heard customers feeling more optimistic about 2021 because of the vaccine that's the big focus of
3: 2021 is becoming a bodybuilder <laughs>
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Please sign up for the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Just search Sunshine Economy on your podcast app and hit subscribe. Thanks. Almost every week since September, we talk with a banker, baker, and bartender in South Florida to hear how they're getting along in the pandemic economy. Each has a unique perspective on how the economy is doing as it works to recover from the sharp recession back in the springtime. While thousands of jobs have returned, the pace of new hiring has been slowing and any additional stimulus effort remains up in the air as efforts stall in Congress. Keisha Scott has been on the front lines of where the virus and the economy meet. She moved to Boynton Beach almost two years ago from Austin, Texas for a job as a restaurant manager and trainer. She has two decades of experience in the restaurant and bar business. But after losing that job in the springtime, using her time off to earn certifications in nutrition and personal training, she then found work as a bartender when restaurants and bars reopened. She and her boyfriend, though, decided to leave South Florida and head back to Austin. They left late last week.
3: Hi, it's Keisha here on I-10 somewhere. I'm making our move to Texas. I don't know. The feeling's kind of still been a little weird. I think this is it. This is the last day. Can't believe it's already been this long or this short, however we look at it. I feel like it, it was more of an experience for for our relationship more than it was anything. You know, we both we both really struggled with personalities here. And I, I think at the end of the day, the, the, the biggest thing that, that we come out with is that we're just not going to make another cross-country move. <laughs> I mean, we we enjoyed being there. Not get me wrong, we had you know we had good times. We did some fun things, not just in the area, but just around Florida. But I I think at the at the end of it all, as we're riding in this car, we're just like heading home, you know. Professionally, I'm looking to kick off that bodybuilding career. So I actually have my coach lined up already. So I'll be getting started with him in February and hopefully hitting the stage in the end of May, beginning of June time. So that's pretty much my professional focus. And as somebody that used to be a competitive dancer, like I love being on stage and that's something that I miss being competitive. And it just seems like the right thing to do. I love fitness. I've got my certifications. My coach is also going to kind of take me under his wing and mentor me a little bit. So hopefully I turn my career into a coaching career after that. Yeah, that's the big focus of 2021 is, is becoming a bodybuilder. <laughs> it's looking bright is what it's looking like.
0: <laughs> While Keisha Scott works on her new career ambition in bodybuilding, she has not left behind bartending quite yet in Austin, Texas, even as the rules for what's open are different than what she worked under in Palm Beach County. I'm
3: still going to bartend slash cocktail because it's a little different. It's not completely open the way it is in South Florida over in Austin. Um, So I'm kind of doing a little bit of both at the bar.
0: You see, bars are not allowed to open at all in Austin unless they serve food. The banker in our group, Ginger Martin, with American National Bank, like so many people and companies, is waiting to see if there will be any new stimulus, particularly if there will be another round of Paycheck Protection Program for forgivable loans. Martin's Bank made about 500 of those loans under the first two rounds of the program and continues seeing regular demand for traditional loans.
4: We had a loan committee committee last Thursday and approved about 14 million in loans. And so things have been you know, steady. I have heard customers feeling more optimistic about 2021 because of the vaccine. Here's what I heard from the uh, Florida Bankers Association. Probably start thinking about getting ready for round three of PPP because that could definitely happen in- if they do another round and it's for people, because here's what they're talking about, that it will be for people who've already gotten it that qualify for additional, then we will do that to help our customers. Here's the other thing, just as a side note, because we've talked about the payroll protection program for months now. It really has made it very challenging to try to budget for next year uh, because the – how these things are running off is very hard to it's very hard to predict so and so you figure I still have 60 million of those on my books and that are going to go away uh, but it's kind of like when so I mean we're, we're thinking uh, everything will be probably gone by uh, by November you know a year a year from now but it has been uh, challenging to, to kind of try to model how that impacts our financials for 2021
0: That's American National Bank CEO Ginger Martin. Pilar Guzman Zavala has big plans in 2021 for the company that she heads, that's Half Moon Empanadas, and for herself. Now, for herself, it means speaking out more as a Latina entrepreneur. For the company, it means looking for new locations.
2: I went to scout some locations. I'm looking at locations in Jackson Hospital. I continue to work on the finalizing the leases of the two other locations that I had mentioned before. So it's all about like going into the retail space. So I've been working on that. And also I launched my own like social media brand, if you, if you can say that. And so that's been this week and it's been a lot of work on, on learning a little bit more about social media. And that will translate into also doing more in the business side. You know, my passion is, you know, supporting women entrepreneurs, you know, and talking and mentoring. I do food entrepreneurs, Hispanic entrepreneurs, but really my passion is women because I think we do have it harder. And so I do a lot of talks, right? Like I get invited to speak to groups, to students, to different. And I'm like, what if I do this on social media so that more people can get access to, you know, whatever experience I can share. So finally, I've been putting it, you know, on the side, because I didn't have time. And I just said, you know, I'm I'm gonna do this. I think it's valuable. I I think that more women uh, need to see women of my color of skin, and my age, you know, be successful, or at least trying to be successful. I think we need more role models. And so I'm big of that. And I want to just share in social media, my, my life and my experience. I think the pandemic gave me the mental space to think about it in a more strategic way. I spent five hours writing the content for the month of December, and that content was really going through who I am, you know, to share with with you know the viewers or the you know the people that see the Instagram. You know it was nice to see that every step of my life prepared me to be an entrepreneur. I also learned with the business that numbers don't lie, right? Like the business makes money or it doesn't make money. That's the reality. Hispanic Latinas uh, make 53 cents of the dollar of white men in the corporate you know, world. Like the funding capital in 2019 that went to women entrepreneurs was 2.7% of all the funding that went to entrepreneurs. You don't see successful CEOs that are that you know women that have grown their companies you just don't see that at least in in my culture in me you know being an adult so if I can show up and say you know hey yes you, you can you can do this and and this is the mistakes I made and this is how I did it I think just by showing up you make a difference and I hope that people learn from it like especially women
0: That's Pilar Guzman Zavala with Half Moon Empanadas, the baker of our baker banker bartender, the bartender who's working on becoming a bodybuilder, trio of women we've been checking in with most weeks to hear how they're navigating through the pandemic economy. You can follow us on social media. Look for WLRN on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Joe Johnson is our technical director. Polly Landis is our booking producer. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening.